Section three of Confessions, volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, volumes three and four, by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section three. There were at Turin several new converts of my own stamp, whom I neither liked nor wished to see, but I had met with some Genevese who were not of this description, and among others a Monsieur Mussard, nicknamed Rhineck, a miniature painter, and a distant relation. This Monsieur Mussard, having learned my situation at the Comte de Gauvon's, came to see me, with another Genevese named Bacle, who had been my comrade during my apprenticeship. This Bacle was a very sprightly, amusing young fellow, full of lively sallies, which at his time of life appeared extremely agreeable at once then behold me delighted with monsieur bacle charmed to such a degree that i found it impossible to quit him he was shortly to depart for geneva what a loss had i to sustain i felt the whole force of it and resolving to make the best use of this precious interval, I determined not to leave him, or rather he never quitted me, for my head was not yet sufficiently turned to think of quitting the house without leave, but it was soon perceived that he engrossed my whole time, and he was accordingly forbid the house. This so incensed me, that forgetting everything but my friend Bacle, I went neither to the abbé nor the count, and was no longer to be found at home. I paid no attention to repeated reprimands, and at length was threatened with dismissal. This threat was my ruin as it suggested the idea that it was not absolutely necessary that Bacle should depart alone. From that moment I could think of no other pleasure, no other situation or happiness than taking this journey. To render the felicity still more complete, at the end of it, though at an immense distance, I pictured to myself Madame de Varens, for as to returning to Geneva, it never entered into my imagination. The hills, fields, brooks, and villages incessantly succeeded each other with new charms, and this delightful jaunt seemed worthy to absorb my whole existence memory recalled with inexpressible pleasure how charming the country had appeared in coming to turin 
what then must it be when to the pleasure of independence should be added the company of a good-humoured comrade of my own age and disposition without any constraint or obligation but free to go or stay as we pleased would it not be madness to sacrifice the prospect of so much felicity to projects of ambition slow and difficult in their execution and uncertain in their event but even supposing them realized and in their utmost splendour they were not worth one quarter of an hour of the sweet pleasure and liberty of youth full of these wise conclusions i conducted myself so improperly that not indeed without some trouble i got myself dismissed for on my return one night the maitre d'hôtel gave me warning on the part of the count this was exactly what i wanted for feeling spite of myself the extravagance of my conduct i wished to excuse it by the addition of injustice and ingratitude by throwing the blame on others and sheltering myself under the idea of necessity i was told the comte de favria wished to speak with me the next morning before my departure but being sensible that my head was so far turned as to render it possible for me to disobey the injunction the maitre d'hôtel declined paying the money designed me and which certainly i had very ill earned till after this visit for my kind patrons being unwilling to place me in the situation of a footman i had not any fixed wages the comte de favria though young and giddy talked to me on this occasion in the most sensible and serious manner i might add if it would not be thought vain with the utmost tenderness he reminded me in the most flattering terms of the cares of his uncle and intentions of his grandfather after having drawn in lively colours what i was sacrificing to ruin he offered to make my peace without stipulating any conditions but that i should no more see the worthless fellow who had seduced me it was so apparent that he did not say all this of himself that notwithstanding my blind stupidity i powerfully felt the kindness of my good old master but the dear journey was too firmly printed on my imagination for any consideration to balance the charm bereft of understanding firm to my purpose i hardened myself against conviction and arrogantly answered that as they had thought fit to give me warning i had resolved to take it and conceived it was now too late to retract since whatever might happen to me 
i was fully resolved not to be driven a second time from the same house the count justly irritated bestowed on me some names which i deserved and putting me out of his apartment by the shoulders shut the door on me i departed triumphant as if i had gained the greatest victory and fearful of sustaining a second combat even had the ingratitude to leave the house without thanking the abbe for his kindness to form a just conception of my delirium at that moment the excess to which my heart is subject to be heated by the most trifling incidents and the ardour with which my imagination seizes on the most attractive objects should be conceived at these times plans the most ridiculous childish and void of sense flatter my favourite idea and persuade me that it is reasonable to sacrifice everything to the possession of it would it be believed that when near nineteen any one could be so stupid as to build his hopes of future subsistence on an empty file for example the abbe de gauvon had made me a present some weeks before of a very pretty heron fountain with which i was highly delighted playing with this toy and speaking of our departure the sage bacle and myself thought it might be of infinite advantage and enable us to lengthen our journey what in the world was so curious as a heron fountain this idea was the foundation on which we built our future fortune we were to assemble the country people in every village we might pass through and delight them with the sight of it when feasting and good cheer would be sure to pour on us abundantly for we were both firmly persuaded that provisions could cost nothing to those who grew and gathered them and if they did not stuff travellers it was downright ill-nature we pictured in all parts entertainments and weddings reckoning that without any expense but wind from our lungs and the water of our fountain we should be maintained through piedmont savoy france and indeed all the world over there was no end to our projected travels and we immediately directed our course northward rather for the pleasure of crossing the alps than from a supposed necessity of being obliged to stop at any place such was the plan on which i set out abandoning without regret my preceptors studies and hopes with the almost certain attainment of a fortune to lead the life of a real vagabond farewell to the capital 
adieu to the court ambition love the fair and all the great adventures into which hope had led me during the preceding year i departed with my fountain and my friend bacle a purse lightly furnished but a heart overflowing with pleasure and only thinking how to enjoy the extensive felicity which i supposed my project encircled this extravagant journey was performed almost as agreeably as i had expected though not exactly on the same plan not but our fountain highly amused the hostess and servants for some minutes at all the alehouses where we halted yet we found it equally necessary to pay on our departure but that gave us no concern as we never thought of depending on it entirely until our money should be expended an accident spared us that trouble our fountain was broken near bramont and in good time for we both felt without daring to own it to each other that we began to be weary of it this misfortune rendered us gayer than ever we laughed heartily at our giddiness in having forgotten that our clothes and shoes would wear out or trusting to renew them by the play of our fountain we continued our journey as merrily as we had begun it only drawing faster towards that termination where our drained purses made it necessary for us to arrive at chambery i became pensive not for the folly i had committed for never did any one think less of the past but on account of the reception i should meet with from madame de varence for i looked on her house as my paternal home i had written her an account of my reception at the comte de gauvon's she knew my expectancies and in congratulating me on my good fortune had added some wise lessons on the return i ought to make for the kindness with which they treated me she looked on my fortune as already made if not destroyed by my own negligence what then would she say on my arrival for it never entered my mind that she might shut the door against me but i dreaded the uneasiness i might give her i dreaded her reproaches to me more wounding than want i resolved to bear all in silence and if possible to appease her i now saw nothing but madame de varence in the whole universe and to live in disgrace with her was impossible i was most concerned about my companion whom i did not wish to offend and feared i should not easily get rid of i prefaced this separation by an affected coldness during the last day's journey 
the droll understood me perfectly in fact he was rather giddy than deficient in point of sense i expected he would have been hurt at my inconstancy but i was quite mistaken nothing affected my friend bacle for hardly had we set foot in town on our arrival in annecy before he said you are now at home embraced bade me adieu turned on his heel and disappeared nor have i ever heard of him since End of section three. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.